Hey, and welcome back to another episode of They Didn't Ask Us. This will be a little different, a little out of the ordinary for us, but the previous episode was running so long that we decided to divide it up into two parts. This part will be all the Mandalorian finale and our thoughts on that. If you want to listen to the entire conversation, we recommend going back and listening to episode 210, About 2020, part 1, before continuing with this episode, which is part 2. But enough of that, let's get on with the show. I hope you enjoy. Um, okay, so... Boys and girls, we have two episodes of Mandalorian to review today. The first one, maybe not nearly as exciting as the second one. I mean, there was still a lot that happened. Don't get me wrong. Yeah. Uh, let's see. You know what? I don't even have the episodes pulled up. Do you have those pulled up, John? I can. I know the, the first of the episodes that we're reviewing today was the uh, Bill Burr episode for this season. I feel like he somehow has negotiated one episode per season. That's right. Bill um, Burr, the guy who did a absolutely horrible Saturday Night Live monologue not too long ago. Not sure what that was about. You know, I haven't seen that episode yet, and now I'm thinking I might not. Hmm. Yeah... I don't know how the rest of the episode was, but the monologue at the beginning, oh my gosh. It was it was one of the most awkward things I've ever watched. Well, and the distressing bit about that is comedian monologues are typically very good. Historically, yeah, but not his. Okay, Mm-mm. so it's Was not this one called me. like The Breakout or something like that? The episode is called The Believer. I'm glad I looked that up because I don't know about you, I would not have guessed that. I would not have as well. <laughs> I'm not really sure what can what constitutes as that episode being the believer. Like I, there, I don't feel like there was anything that really happened in it that would make you go, "Oh yeah, this was yeah. that one where that person finally started believing." Maybe starting to believe in a cause. It could be. They could talk could about be. um Mayfeld's internal moral compass. Because he talks about how, you know, if you if you do things and you can go to sleep at night, you're you're clear, which is a very mercenary way to look at life, which fits. Well, so uh, if you wouldn't mind, John, since you've got the Wikipedia pulled up, could you give us a brief synopsis of this episode? It's only four lines. I can go ahead and read the read the entire synopsis. Perfect. Cara Dune uses her new credentials as a Marshal of the New Republic to transfer Mayfeld, an ex-Imperial, from prison to her custody. He agrees to help locate Moff Gideon's cruiser, but needs access to an Imperial internal terminal. He suggests a secret Imperial mining hub on Morak. There, Mayfield and the Mayfeld, sorry, and the Mandalorian hijack a transport carrying the explosive mineral Radonium and they manage to reach the mining facility despite attacks from local pirates. They get Gideon's coordinates from the terminal, but the Mandalorian is forced to remove his helmet in front of others for the first time since he took his Mandalorian oath. The pair are confronted by Mayfeld's old Imperial commanding officer, whom Mayfeld kills when he gloats about atrocities committed by the Empire in Operation Cinder. Mayfeld and the Mandalorian escape with help of Finnick, Cara Dune, and Boba Fett, Dune then decides to let to let Mayfeld go. The Mandalorian sends Gideon a transmission warning that he is coming for Grogu, paraphrasing a similar speech that Gideon had previously given. There you go. That's it. 
By the way, spoiler heavy podcast here. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, if you haven't watched the episode, um, although that uh, synopsis kind of gave away a lot of stuff that happens in it, but if you haven't seen it, highly recommend pausing the show for a little bit and then going and watching the episode and coming back. Which, as John has mentioned before, we've actually had somebody do that. So people actually are listening. That's nice. Yeah, it's a it's a revolutionary concept for an audio medium. <laughs> yeah, you can pause us because we're not going anywhere. We'll be here when you get back. I was excited about this episode. I enjoyed the episode overall, but kind of like the synopsis gave us, that not a whole lot is revealed we do operation cinder is from battlefront 2 star wars battlefront 2 by ea it's a video game and um if the story I to, if i were to make a vid, a star wars video game added into canon in this sense it would not be star wars battlefront 2 it would not i <laughs> i bought the game only because they offered it for like Gosh, I think it was like maybe five bucks, something like that. Mm-hmm. And I thought, yeah, sure, why not? But honestly, other than the storyline, it's really not worth it. It's kind of, I don't know. It felt repetitive to me. I didn't really care for it. But I don't really care for those. Which it wasn't Battle Royale exactly. But anyway, I'm getting off track. I mean, it's it's a typical third-person multiplayer shooter. It is. And and so the storyline itself, uh, one of the things that was really interesting about it was that there... So it takes place, the storyline takes place right after the Battle of Endor. And the second Death Star has been destroyed. And what happened was, is the Emperor had a plan in place for everything to continue on. For the Empire to continue on. And the operation, it was nicknamed Operation Cinder... Uh, kind of that idea that even from, you know, the the a dead, what could be considered a dead fire, uh, you know, a flame can still be reborn type of deal. So Operation Cinder, but one of the things that we see in that video game is we see a really big battle happening on, I honestly can't even remember the name of the planet at this point. That is exactly what this is referring to. And so what we find out is, uh mayfeld 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 not mayfeld like the ice cream but May- mayfeld so mayfeld was a stormtrooper in that operation learned some interesting things about him his past i guess you could say yeah i so i'm i'm on the record um with this podcast saying that i absolutely hated the episode of season one that featured his character. I thought it took away from the season one plot as a whole and was probably one of the weakest episodes of season one. Um, but this episode really spins that around. Um, the This chapter 15, I believe, is an incredibly strong episode because there's so much character building for The Mandalorian but it also takes Mayfeld from a very one-dimensional mercenary character to just this in, the incredible depth of, like, you see, or you, you learn the tragedy that kind of made him who he is. Yeah. But also, like, he straight up blasts his former 
commanding officer, and he's just like, listen, <laughs> sometimes you got to do what lets you sleep at night. Mando looks over at him and is like, what the heck was that? Like, why'd you do that? And he's like, yeah, that felt good. <laughs> <laughs> And you're just like, oh my gosh. So then they've got to shoot their way out of that mess, which they take care of very easily, mainly because it's a bunch of stormtroopers and they they're don't really not. know what they're doing anyway. <laughs> See, that, yeah, the, we, the, thing that, the thing that I was most surprised by, because so to infiltrate an Imperial base, they had to wear Imperial armor, including the sidearm. And it was most surprising to me that Mandalorian and Mayfeld didn't miss. No, they didn't. So, it's the same equipment. It has to be user error. Right. It's got to be. That's the only thing it could Mando be. Mando wore his helmet, the, mm-hmm. the Stormtrooper helmet, the whole time, and he was able to do everything. Yeah. He had no trouble at all. So, it's just interesting that that is uh, how that settles. So, uh, any anything else about the penultimate episode of the season on your end, Jay? Well, um... The only thing that, that really stood out to me, uh, that, that really grabbed me, was the fact that Mando took off his helmet in, in the midst of everybody else. Because what happened is, is um, Bill Burr's character, he is... One of the things they have to do to find Moff Gideon's ship is they have to get coordinates from this computer. And the computer was in this... I guess you, it almost looked like a cafeteria area. It, was, it, it absolutely was. It was the officer's mess is what Mayfeld called it. And so they were able to, they could go in there, access the computer, and then they would be able to find the coordinates. But Mayfeld was like, I can't go in there because that's my commanding officer from the past, and he's going to recognize me, and I don't need to do this. Mando's like, we've got to. We've got to find the kid. So it it really, it's one of those things that's just kind of showing like, hey, this Grogu is super important to me. And we've got to do this. We've got to. And so he, Mayfeld says, well, we can access the computer, but you got to show your face. And Mando's like, okay, whatever I got to do. And so he goes in and he takes off his helmet and accesses the computer. So he's just shown his face to the Empire and even Mayfeld. And, you know, he's about to get in trouble. Mayfeld comes in and kind of backs him, you know, backs him up helps him out. But even in that moment, like Mayfeld looks at him and is like, let's just pretend like this didn't happen. Let's just pretend like I didn't see your face. I'm not going to say anything. You don't say anything. We'll just leave it. Kind of get to see a different character there as well with Mayfeld. So there's more development in this episode. So the episode itself as a whole, I didn't really care for too much, but there was bits and pieces of it that just developed the characters more. And I really appreciated that. I think it's very interesting that at the end of the episode, he's allowed to, well, not leave. He's allowed to stay. Uh, so, so he's on this planet where they just destroyed an Imperial base. And I'm really interested to see what happens to him next. Because as far as the New Republic is concerned, he's dead. Yeah, there that's, are like uh, four, that's what like Cara four Dune says at the very yeah. end. And she's like... You know, it's kind of a shame. I saw Mayfeld die on that plant, didn't you? And then before he figured out they were letting him leave, he was like, they're going to kill me. You could see that realization. He was like, what do you mean the prisoner's dead? What do you mean the prisoner's dead? And she's like, it means I'm not taking you back. He was like, and then oh, even okay, when he was, cool. 
even when he was walking away, did you notice like he would take a few steps and then would like look back like, are you still going to shoot me or yeah. can I actually go? Yeah. And then we get to see uh, one of the cool things, which was a lot of fun, was we get to see that um, really awesome uh, cannon bomb thing that we see in, what was that, episode two? It was Attack of the Clones, the the sonic boom yeah. device. Yes. We get to see that come out of the back of the Slave 1, so that was really cool. It was a nice callback to that. It is a seismic charge, also according to Wikipedia. Okay, that's, yeah, that makes sense. Yeah, it's some sort of sound device because it just, like, I can't, I can't mimic the sound, but <laughs> you the can, bass uh, it's, drops. It's, it's featured in uh, Season 2, Episode 7 of The Mandalorian. <laughs> yes, go check it out. Uh, yeah, but I, I think, really, other than that, that's pretty much it. And then also just the, the speech at the end that Mando has with Moff Gideon. He's like, it, it's basically the speech that... Gideon gives to them at the very end of the first season where he's like, you don't realize how much this child is worth to me. And Mando just basically says the same thing to him. He's like, that child means more to me than he will ever mean to you. And you don't know what lengths I will go to, to get it back, to get him back. So just lead right into the next one. Cause um, I think we should rate it. Oh, right, right. right. You're right. The Sorry, I got excited. I, well, I mean, deservedly so. This finale is incredible. I will say I will rate it a 7 out of 10. It is not elite, but I would call it above average compared to the average episode of television. Yes, I will give it... Let's see. I'm going to give it a 7 out of 10. Yeah. I figured you might play a little lower than me, so that's very exciting. Yeah, well, I mean, like I said, it's it had a lot of character development, so that's what really grabbed grabbed me for for the episode. All right, so then on to chapter sixteen, the rescue, the season finale of season two, which I have somewhat somewhat uh, excitingly coined fan service. Just this entire season is fan service. Chapter sixteen, the rescue. An Imperial shuttle is disabled by Slave One, and the Mandalorian and Cara Dune board and capture Dr. Pershing, who has previously been established as a character doing experimentations on Force-sensitive individuals. Next, a cloner. They, a cloner. Next, they enlist the help of Bo-Katan and Koska Reeves in return for Bo-Katan getting Gideon's cruiser and the Darksaber. The group uses the shuttle to get close enough to crash land on Gideon's cruiser, with Fett pretending to attack them in Slave 1. Bo-Katan, Koska, Fennec, and Dune fight through stormtroopers to the cruiser's bridge. Meanwhile, the Mandalorian finds the dark troopers, barely defeats one of them, and ejects the rest into space. He fights Gideon with the Beskar spear and wins, making him the new rightful owner of the Darksaber. However, the dark troopers fly back to the ship and attack. There is there's a lot to unpack there. Yes, John, you are absolutely right. That lot to unpack there. I don't even know where to begin with this one, just because the main reveal at the end was what was so exciting. Yeah. I mean, there was a lot, don't get me wrong, but let's see, say, where, where do we I'm, even begin? I'm I'm typically somewhat skeptical of team-up episodes. If they come too early in something, then I feel like they can damage the progression and the character development 
of the original characters, like the, the new characters in whatever the, the piece is. But with, with this episode specifically, it being such a team-up and it having such established characters, and at this point, no real new characters involved. Every character in this is established. Yeah. So my chief concern of destroying character development is not present, which is incredibly exciting. I also noticed, so Bo-Katan, Koska Reeves, Cara Dune, and Finnick being the distraction and fighting to the bridge is a much more subtle, much more soft-handed, if you will, attempt at what Avengers did in Endgame when they had all of the all of the female heroes all together in that yes. one moment. So yes. I know I've, I've referenced it before with, with other uh, things we've reviewed, but from a representation standpoint, that scene is important. And I feel like it was done so much better and so much more subtly than that scene in Avengers. Because in Avengers, it just like smacks you over the head with it like you're Nate Robinson in the movie's Jake Paul. Uh, just to try to throw a soon-to-be-dated pop culture reference into the pod. Uh, but it was, it was a, a great scene because it showed that they could handle really not everything, everything, but enough. Mm-hmm. And then the, the fight scene with Mando and Moff Gideon, you knew he was going to win. Like that was never really in doubt, but it was interesting to see the dark saber get the Beskar spear to glow. Like it yeah. was getting too hot because Ahsoka's lightsabers didn't do that. Yeah, that made me wonder if it was like super concentrated. Maybe the the black saber is. See, I thought the dark saber was going to cut the spear in half, and, and then it he felt was like gonna, that at one point. He was going to defeat him with a like the the two weapons like Ahsoka has, so the spear would become two little like dagger things. Uh, that is not what happened. Jay, do you have anything before the reveal that you would like to uh, like to address? Yes, one thing in particular that just really caught my attention was they they were doing all this distraction stuff, and one thing that was being said a lot by um, Bo-Katan is she was like, no matter what, bring me Gideon and bring him to me alive. Like, it didn't matter. She said, nothing else matters. That's what matters the most. That's what happened. And that's what happened, <laughs> but good gracious, when he got to the to the bridge of the ship, when, when he got there, and everybody else is there, and he has the baby, and he has Gideon, and he's holding the black saber, and he comes through those doors, and I went, I laughed out loud, and went, he just did everything himself. He almost didn't need anybody else. I mean, they were just, I mean, they really were just there for a distraction just to bring all the troopers to them. And that kind of shocked me. I was like, whoa. Well, so yeah, so he walks in and he has the Black Saber. So, you know, we know the Black Saber rules and stuff because we've seen the, we've watched the shows, the cartoons, the animated series that they've had, Clone Wars and Rebels. And so we knew technically... That makes Mando the leader. Moff Gideon is playing, you know, he's playing into it more and making Bo-Katan more mad because that was her whole reason for this is she wanted to be, she wanted to take the throne again. She wanted to be the rightful leader of the Mandalorian race. And so it was upsetting to her to be like, ah, man, I didn't get to fight him and get this thing. 
So I don't know that it was very interesting, but she was very upset. You could see it on her face. So I'm very curious to see what they're going to do with that. But at the same time, she never told him. No, it's an, it's an aspect of Mandalorian culture of which he was unaware. Yeah. So for her to just assume like, Oh no, he knows the rules. Never assume anyone knows the rules. Yeah. That's how you get in this situation. And to to go back or to to add more to that, how was she expecting to beat someone with the dark saber? She has blasters. That's it. Good question. Like where was where was her mind at? Was she needing like okay, you know, someone else will defeat them and then I'll defeat them? Like that has to be the only thing she was planning. Yeah, I don't know. It's just it's a a misstep or a missing step in that plan, and it's unexpected because you would expect her plan to be at least somewhat well thought out, especially n- knowing her history. Yeah, that was very suspicious. But yeah, has it, so has it been established yet how she lost it, or do you no, think that'll still, be a season three thing? Probably. Yeah, they still haven't even said how she lost it in the first place. Yeah. Well, and the episode ends with this kind of lingering. You know, the this conflict now between Bo-Katan and Mando is unfulfilled. Yeah, because but, she's she's at this point she's not friends with Mando, but she's not enemies with him. So to fight him in combat like at this point is kind of like um can't really do that exactly cuz you do have somewhat of a good relationship with each other. Yeah. Mando earlier had s- was able to rig the ship so that the these dark troopers were sucked out into space. Well, of course, they've got little jet packs, so they flew back to the ship, and they come to the door, and they're about to break open the door, and everybody's getting a little nervous. Well, suddenly, uh, there's one X-Wing. Grogu starts acting a little funny. And you see that, yeah, that lone X-Wing fly in, and immediately, if you know anything about Star Wars, you know exactly who that is. And my before, jaw dropped. Before, before we do the reveal, I need to confess, I did not immediately put two and two together. Did you not? I'm actually kind of shocked. I So I saw the X-Wing fly into the shot, and I knew that there was a reveal. I knew there was someone coming. And I still immediately thought, oh, you know, there will be a Republic cruiser or a, a, yeah, a new Republic cruiser fly out of hyperspace after this X-Wing. This X-Wing is like a scout, was my immediate thought. And then I checked how much time was left in the episode and I was like, no, 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 no. That's not what's about to happen here. I went, huh? No way. I said, no way. They're not going to bring in a main character from the movies, right? I would I would go so far as to say not a main character, but the main character. None other than <laughs> Trump roll, please. Luke Skywalker. Yeah. Walks in, takes out all of these dark troopers. Easily to Easy. add. So so Mando, a character we have spent two seasons seeing him just stroll through everybody barely beats one of them one-on-one and there's like 50 of them and luke just i mean for the rec- for for what it's worth the dark troopers were very courteous and chivalrous in the fact that they faced him one at a time it was very polite of them but ultimately foolish but yeah. he he walks through them like a hot knife through or like a 
lightsaber through butter. He does. It was amazing. And and I just I stood there the whole time the whole time he's walking through and he's of course they don't show his face for a long time. He's That's got his, the the CG costs too much. Yeah. Well they, they have his hood up and you see his lightsaber his green lightsaber ignite and you know it's Luke. And the whole time he's walking through this ship, I'm going, No way. Like, I still didn't believe it. Like, there was a part of me that was like, this might possibly be somebody else. Yeah. And they're just trying to trick us. But no. No, it's it's Luke. Completely. And uh, he comes through the doors. And of course, quite frankly, I thought it was terrible CGI, personally. I mean, I mean f- for what it was, I mean, for what it was worth, it was pretty good. At least it wasn't a double. It actually was Mark Hamill. The, so the, the bar for terrible CGI for me will always be reshoot Superman from justice league. Right. Yes. So the mustache cover up to compare it to that. This young Luke Skywalker, this young Mark Hamill blows it out of the water entirely. That's true. Yeah. So when you give it context like that, it looks really good. When you give it context compared to like, you know, these 1440 P cinematics, from games now then yeah it's gonna fall a little bit flat so like that scene we're incredibly excited about it but if you were expecting like the what are what are the awards for tv shows even emmys emmys yeah yeah so if you're expecting emmy winning cg this shot is not it there are some other aspects from the rest of the show that it would it would be deserving in my opinion but for this singular shot it is not. But personally, I was kind of thinking, like, as he's walking up, I thought maybe it will be uh, Sebastian Stan, because there have been a lot of people that have said that the two of them look very similar, uh, which if you see a side by side and you, you know, fix his hair kind of stuff, maybe give him a few scars, like he does look very similar to, to a young Mark Hamill. Uh, so there was a part of me that thought that might be it, especially if, well, I don't know. I mean, there's so many questions like, I mean, you know, he's not going to be a main character going forward because that was a lot of CGI they had to do for just that, like 20 seconds he was in the show. I will say if he had, if he had pulled that hood back and it had been a convincing Sebastian Stan, yeah, I would have lost my mind. Right. Because the implication, kind of what you're alluding to, that amount of CG is unsustainable. But if you can get a like a, a decent to or I guess a a decent to excellent new stand-in, the potential for that is through the roof. If if that had been the case, it would have been so incredible. Even though like even now without that being the case, the end of this episode is still a 10 out of 10. Oh yeah. There's no there's no other way around that. So now with with us having talked about the reveal in depth, I think we need to finish the uh, synopsis of the episode. Yes. So Luke fights through everything. He fights through everything. They open the door and there he's looking at Grogu and looks back at Mandalorian. He goes, "I can see your connection." Um, Mandalorian tries to like, "Come on, you can you can do it. Come on." And Luke goes, he's asking your permission, which was an incredible scene. Mm, yes, it was. And then it sets the stage. So he Mandalorian picks him up, 
and he holds him, and he takes his helmet off again. Twice in two episodes, we see the intact face of Oberyn Martell himself, and it's just this, it's probably the most poignant scene in a Star Wars movie since the first scene after Carrie Fisher passed. Like, they tried to do emotions at the end of Rise of Skywalker, but I was like, nah, this whole thing's weird. It's not working for me. And, th- like, this was so much more powerful for me personally. It was. And it, it was it was such a touching moment to see them together, and Grogu touches his face. He's like, it's going to be okay, I'm going to see you again. Which was very, um, made me think of episode one where Anakin is leaving his mother and he promises to see her again. I mean, he does. He does. But it's, it kind of was good, but it it made me think of that scene. Yeah, I I did not think about that actually. But it was very interesting, very powerful, a little upsetting. I'm going to admit per, for me personally, yeah. Not upsetting as in like it made me sad, but upsetting as in like why are they separating the two of them. That's that's absolutely the question, is what now? Yeah. You know, two two seasons of this show have been all about the Mandalorian's relationship with the child, and now that they're being deliberately separated, you know, what is what is season three going to look like? Yeah. And then, in the after credit scene, we might get a hint of what season three might look like. Because Possibly. Because, Jay... With Moff Gideon captured, this show needs a new big bad. It sure does, John. And post-credit scene, the credits fade, and the suns rise on Tatooine, on Jabba's palace. But Jabba's been dead for six years, because that's how long it's been in time, from Return of the Jedi to Mandalorian. It's six years. You see the same cast of characters inside, kind of a rowdier uh, Moss Eisley cantina. Then Finnick walks down the stairs, shoots all the guards, frees the, the slave girl at the foot of the throne. Bib Fortuna from Return of the Jedi is sitting on the throne, and six years have not been kind to him. <laughs> no, they have not. He's starting to turn you, into Jabba number two. <laughs> I tell you what, it looked like he hadn't clipped his daggum fingernails in six years, and that was disgusting. He was he gained a little weight. He was not looking too good. So Fennec walks down, kills all the guards, and then in profile we see him, Boba Fett returns to Jabba's palace, shoots Bib Fortuna dead before he can really say anything. He tries to talk, but he knows what's about to happen. And Boba Fett sits on the throne. Is Boba Fett the big bad for season three, Jay? I want to say yes. I want to say yes. However, there's an additional, when that ends, a little message pops up and says, the book of Boba Fett coming december 2021 so does that mean that this is just setting up for boba fett's own show or is boba fett going to be the villain for season three i don't know i don't know john there's so many questions it has it has to be one of those two yeah in my mind those are the only two possibilities either there's a new fancy Boba Fett spinoff, which in a vacuum would be incredible because he's such a cult character. At the same time, it could be both. It could be both 
because Boba Fett that we're getting in the show. Okay. So my thought is, is the book of Boba Fett could be just literally like kind of exactly what we're thinking, which is just book, a book with chapters. And it's like, it's just showing us different pieces of his life. Like maybe how he, you know, got his armor, how he got started, how he got out of the Sarlacc pit. Could be that kind of stuff. See, you you bring up incredible vernacular, right? Calling it the Book of Boba Fett and saying the Book of Boba Fett has chapters. Jay, what are episodes of The Mandalorian called? That's true. They're chapters. So does so you're alluding to that I... maybe we've come to the end of the Book of The Mandalorian and we're about to start the Book of Boba Fett? I don't think so. Because oh, okay. the, the unresolved conflict between Bo-Katan and the Mandalorian, that book is not closed. It can't be closed. Like, that has to hit the fan. And I'm sure it hit the fan as soon as that elevator door closes and Luke R2, who was also there, we I can't believe we forgot about him. Oh, yeah. Um, Luke R2 and Grogu go down the elevator. As soon as that door closes, something happens. And that's where season three should start. I don't know if that's where it will start. That's where it should start. I think I think this is setting up for Boba Fett to be the big bad. Hmm. I think we talked earlier um, in a previous review about how the Cobb Fanth character, the the first person we see in Mandalorian wearing the Boba Fett armor, mm-hmm. was such an incredible character. It would be a waste if they don't revisit him. That's true, yeah. Boba is the new gangster leader in that area of Tatooine. I could absolutely see them going back. I see, yeah, I see what you're saying. Mm-hmm. And it, it did say December 2021, and it did. both previous seasons of The Mandalorian had started in November, had they not? That's true. That's true. So that's, that's upsetting, because I knew it was an 11th month wait, but now it's a whole nother dadgum year. We can't be, have, we can't be having those like late in the series Game of Thrones length breaks here. Hey, as long as it doesn't end up being like a two or three year wait, a year and a half or so, like, I think I'll be good. Of course, I said so that, anyway, so now it's going to... Yeah, you cursed us. Yeah. I but did. between between now and then, we will have Marvel shows. We might have teasers and trailers and debuts for some of the new Star Wars shows. So, like, there there will be content in between, but it is a calendar year, December 2020 to December 2021. Mm-hmm for season three of the Mandalorian. So I'm going to go ahead. I think we should rate one to 10. We rate this episode and then one to 10. We rank this season just real quick. Just a final thought I have just on the whole thing. Uh, Another thing that's kind of bothered me a little bit or that I've just thought of recently, because I I watched this on Friday. So I had all day yesterday to kind of think about it. We, we never really got to see from the new movies, what kind of Jedi Luke was, you know, was he a true through and through Jedi where he didn't do, you know, he didn't have any emotional ties, you know, didn't have any kind of stuff like that. Or was he the kind of Jedi who, said it's okay to feel it's okay to love it's okay to to have those things as long as we don't become obsessed over them kind of deal and i wonder that just because of the relationship of grogu and mando uh i just wonder what that's going to look like in the future so 
That's just I, kind of a I, final thought. Yeah, I like to think of of Jedi Knight Luke um, as kind of an Episode Three Obi Wan because you know Revenge of the Sith Obi Wan had emotions. He had attachments to Anakin, to Padme, yeah, to the other characters where he had spent so much time around them, and he was still able to leverage those with the Jedi teaching of um, the emotionless, the stoic, like you know greater good greatest good for the greatest number so i think he finds a way to kind of walk that line okay yeah i'll be interested to see that but yes okay let's go ahead and rate it so this episode oh my gosh this is the easiest one i have to give it a 10 yeah absolutely 100 percent. and then for for fan service season two uh the (laughs) ultimate fan service episode here uh, what do you give the season as a whole? Season as a whole, I'm going to give it an 8 out of 10. I'm going to give it an 8.5, and, and if you take out the spider episode, I'm going to give it a 9. Mm, yeah, if you took out that, yeah, definitely. Uh, it that ratchets it up, it up so high, yeah. But really, that was the only episode that really didn't yeah. move anything, you know? Well, it was the only one that didn't move anything, and it was also the hardest watch. Yeah. So if you were to watch this season without that episode, mm-hmm. they're all bangers. Yeah. You know, they don't miss. Definitely. Yeah. Man, it was awesome. So good. Yeah. And now we have to wait 12 months <laughs> for something. Not <laughs> thrill. Yeah. We don't even know what it is. Yeah. We don't, we don't even, even know what know it is. If it's a Boba Fett show or if Boba Fett is the new villain of The Mandalorian. Well, honestly, we don't even know if they're is going to be another Mandalorian season next year. Like they they, they said they have said there's going to be a season 3. They have announced that, but we have no idea when that's going to be. Definitely will be rewatching this season though, I can tell you that. Absolutely. Thank you for listening to another episode of They Didn't Ask Us. If you have any questions, comments or concerns, we would love to hear from you. You can reach the show by email at they didn't ask us at gmail.com. Whether you just discovered our podcast or have been a long-time listener, if you enjoy what we are doing, please take a moment after the show, give us a review, and also give us a rating. Tune in next time to hear more random nerdy thoughts and opinions from your new favorite podcast.